Hello and welcome to the 12th episode of Julian's Lightroom. On this episode, we have a special guest. His name goes by Reese Bentley. He is a great friend of mine. He is one of the most intelligent, funny, charismatic people I know. He's an incredible sense of humor and leads an incredibly interesting life, which is why I decided to share one of our conversations today. He means a lot to me, and I am fortunate to get to share my home and life with this man at this moment in time. He's a great friend to me. Without further ado, the conversation between Reese Bentley and I. Enjoy. Uh, do it. Say something. Uh, Quick. Reese, thank you. Thank you for... <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to be on my podcast today. <laughs> I love you. Um, no, but thank you for sitting down with me. And thank you for being willing to engage in this recording of a conversation together it's not really a normal thing that people do with each other and so when i present you as something strange and you also get strange with me <laughs> i like that a sure. lot yeah 100 yeah it's so a pleasure to be here and very much here. so very much so appreciated and um and yeah i don't really have a um set agenda for us but there's definitely some obvious things that uh, I would like to talk with you about. Mm. Um, first one that comes to my mind is we both looked at them. <laughs> the geese. The geese. The geese. And the jujitsus. Mm. And and this kind of adventure that we've been on in terms of learning jujitsu together. Yep. Um, before we dive into what it's like right now, um, what I want to know where your desire to jiu-jits came from um i know that you've had certain experience in a martial art uh before we decide to go do jiu-jitsu here in town together Mm -hmm. um and when we were thinking about joining a gym and the kind of like martial arts we might uh try focusing on jiu-jitsu may not have been at the top of your priority list from what i remember no but things have changed since then and so they want to run me through a little bit of of that yeah, it's, um, I don't know what really brought it about. I think it was a whole, like a time of change for us both when we moved off the mountain. Mm. Uh, getting the new place down in town where we are now. And the sense that maybe the gym wasn't filling the hole of like satisfaction as much as I'd wanted. The gym is in like what? just strength training, just like working out, lifting yeah. weights and that stuff. Yeah. Uh, which had been kind of the go-to for, um, I'm not really sure how long, maybe a year and a bit. Uh, obviously, we did it on the mountain. Mm-hmm. There was a gym there, and I was at the gym beforehand. So it always been in the back of my mind. Um, like you were saying, it, jiu-jitsu wasn't the forefront when I'd considered picking up some form of fighting. It was probably kickboxing. Mm-hmm. I have a good close friend of mine that does kickboxing, and my brother also does it. Um, and they are both... Um, previous where they still go to the gym so it's kind of like a similar path it's kind of like a leap not a leap but an obvious next step if you train 
to build yourself up physically you might as well learn to use not for any real reason other than you can mm. um kickboxing was there and then it was just the whole circumstance of looking at the first thing on google maps which was the martial arts academy seeing yes. they had a free week you messaging bill and bill replying and the next thing you know it's like they're so um bill the owner of the gym mm. is so very welcoming and the whole community is like yeah come along try it out there's no no uh, preconditions no nothing you just come as you are and if you enjoy it you enjoy it yeah and it was like that for a week we've got a membership straight away and i think the longer that i did kickboxing and the more i did jujitsu the more i realized that i actually thoroughly enjoyed jujitsu but i think the biggest pull was like the people mm, yeah the people 100 yeah. percent in the gym are some of the nicest most gentle and humble people absolutely which is why it's like such a big uh it's such a big draw to keep training because it's like nice having people around you that are there to encourage yeah and then ultimately yeah you know it's a crazy feeling <laughs> to have uh someone's arms or legs around your neck and to still feel safe 100 <laughs> percent. that's weird it's like you there's not it's a strange environment where you can go from like wanting to kill each other to having a deep chat on the mat about <laughs> how to not get killed next time kind of yeah. thing it's like well it's yeah. a really strange dynamic which is what i think like a lot of the appeal is mm. it's very different from anything i've ever done yeah like you were mentioning i did do taekwondo before but it was when i was a lot younger and um it wasn't something that i really had a desire for a lot of my friends were doing it so mm. again um it was, was that how you got associated because friends were yeah, involved a couple of my friends had done it they'd been maybe they were a few years into it there were a couple of belts above me and then me and my brother um started it i'm not sure how old i was it probably was around eight mm. which isn't really like you can't really make conscious decisions realistically at that point mm. um and i did it for a long time eight years maybe seven years damn but like it's not um the goal at that point was just to get black belt and it wasn't about getting better yeah. taekwondo is more of like it's not necessarily i don't want to offend anyone but the type okay. of taekwondo that i was yeah that's no, okay but <laughs> for the audience that might lambast anyone yeah um <laughs> it wasn't like you learn to fight you, we had sparring classes but it mm. wasn't really was um, it was more like choreography yeah i'd say that from my experience a lot of taekwondo is more choreographic it's like learning patterns mm. movements and the progression is more obvious. It's like every year there was a grading yeah. and I'd work my nuts off. You'd have to learn the patterns. You'd learn some Korean theory and then yeah. I'd do a grading every year. And like, there's a lot more belts. So the progression's a lot more obvious. It's like we mm. were talking about the colors and that. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe I got my black belt at 15, yeah. but looking back, I'd, I'd happily give it away and say that it doesn't really mean anything in terms of my actual ability. It's like, sure. When it goes to, when it comes to like applying your Taekwondo techniques in a situation, mm. like were you rolling or like, or like sparring with yeah. people? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. It was sparring and it was like, you'd wear um, like foot and shin guards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mitts, helmets, yeah. stuff like that. So it's a lot more striking. It's, it's still like it's just it's not it's opposite to jujitsu in that it's not grappling it's like yeah. it's on your feet kicking kicking is probably like the biggest thing yeah um and then yeah punching and that sort of stuff gotcha. there was an element of takedowns mm. like sweeping people off their feet and stuff like that but mm -hmm. um in reality i was so young not a lot of on the ground stuff no not on the ground stuff gotcha not on the ground stuff at all yeah um and yeah it wasn't really 
like at that point in my life being a tournament jujitsu not tournament tournament taekwondo fighter wasn't anything yeah. i wanted didn't even think about yeah, it yeah 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 uh, there were people in my class that competed um inspiring competitions but it's like i don't really care didn't interest you at the time no so which is why it wasn't pursued mm. and then um because i was so young once you got to black belt the um to go up a degree in black belt it takes the same number of degrees so to go from mm. first to second is two years two to three is three mm. but for under 16s it's doubled okay so however long it took me to get my black belt it would have taken me four years yeah. to go from first to second degree gotcha. which is like it's gotcha. a long long time and if uh, you didn't have a purpose or a reason to pursue it then yeah then why i got the black belt had my name on it, it was a cool looking belt yeah um and i learned a hell of a lot including mm. yeah some combat experience no nothing real savagery but yeah but did it instill like a physical sense of confidence no 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 I don't not in the same way that like um well it's not that I have a physical sense of confidence from jujitsu yet mm. but it's a different like uh modality of the rolling element of jujitsu is more um physical than the sparring element of taekwondo for mm. me in my class was mm. being a kid it's like I'm not trying to like be malicious and yeah actually win it's just more like me and, it was basically just me and my friends just yeah scrapping each other with some pads on we yeah. <laughs> kind of throw stuff at each other and not really be yeah held liable for it so i want to go back to what you said at the very beginning which was that you were involved in the gym in weightlifting and pursuing that but you said something along the lines that it wasn't necessarily filling a gap mm. that you maybe were looking for or that you need that jujitsu would you say seems to be filling that gap? Yeah, to a degree. I think there's like a dynamic amongst people that do like bodybuilding or strength training. Mm. It's kind of like it's easier to put yourself, for in, in my perspective anyway, it's easier to like derive motivation from the training if you're working towards something. Yeah. If the goal is like, I just want to get bigger. Yeah. It's like an infinite goal. You can always be bigger than you are, right? Yeah. And it's like, there comes a point where you have to either reassess your goal and think maybe I want to train to get stronger for like some functional fitness. Maybe mm. I want to do powerlifting or mm. whatever the hell. Um, whereas, yeah, the, my idea was like if I build myself up from where I am now, it's like I could probably learn to utilize this somewhat physicality that I've grown, mm. be it however small it is. Mm. So like if it was more practical yeah, and then it just kind of feels wasted doing i mean hypertrophy training is what i've been doing for like i don't know how a year and a half maybe yeah and there's only so much that can really fulfill you like i said in terms of the end goal it's like yeah what was the aim during that time what the, was the it changed it was like a, a changing thing as the progression went on at the beginning it was like um i'd like to be able to bench press the bar <laughs> yeah 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 it's like i couldn't even do that at the beginning yeah and it was like i don't know how heavy it was maybe like 60 kilos mm. Um, simply as a means of overcoming that particular challenge it's like just get put on some size right yeah i had my brother as my like uh, trainer so yeah. it was like well let's just try and get out of this super skinny and weak phase mm. um to a point where i can at least like you know look healthy maybe mm. be the goal put on some size and then obviously yeah. as you go through like the beginner phase of weightlifting you kind of go through the newbie gains era 
mm. where it's like your strength goes up considerably you put on a lot of mass really quickly yeah, yeah. and because i was bulking obviously i just i got just massive mm -hmm. massive in comparison to to who i was originally like yeah I put on yeah. 25 kilos in like six months or something stupid. yeah 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 um so did it derive from a sense that like uh you felt or thought of yourself as skinny yeah and didn't want to anymore yeah it was, a, it was a lot of culminating factors that led up to the point of me wanting to make a change. But like mm. once I was set on the path of just gaining muscle, that was kind of the only goal. Got you. It was like, I don't really care about being like purely strong. Yeah. I guess yeah. I think no matter like what people say, some of it's ego driven. Mm. I mean, however much of a percentage of it's ego driven is mm. probably personal, but um, yeah, there is a, a large degree of it like that. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, we we've had this conversation before, or this idea that we've shared uh, and that we've heard from others, where it's like having a direction when you're directionless is better than remaining directionless. Yeah, so even so. if it's an ego-driven de desire, um, at least you are moving somewhere. Mm. And if you're moving somewhere, you can find out more along the way. I'll like echo that with the reason I started working out again was so that way i could be attractive to this girl who i wasn't dating anymore because <laughs> i wanted her back yep so it goes so I was like oh i'm gonna get so hot she can't help but <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean that's how it is yeah yeah and it's uh like you look back on it now or i look back on it now and i'm just like damn that's uh that's not much of a valiant cause but it's still a cause but it's still a cause and it kick-started a deeper meaning yeah that's it and so yeah that's yeah. all it is right it's like that was the goal at the beginning and maybe the yeah. goal started to like slow down as it got on to a point where eventually mm. reassessed and made a new goal the new goal was to become like you know physically what to have skill and physicality yeah. rather than just muscle size yeah yeah so, like, like the, the previous uh, the previous goal or endeavor kind of like fizzles out yeah you kind of i achieved no. it somewhat yeah i became happier with my body yeah and my strength and like the effort that i put in and it, it built like the foundations mm. that gave me like the habitual power to stick with jujitsu it's like i yeah. put myself through this discipline and the process before it's like now you can look at i don't even think i would have considered jujitsu mm. as a 60 kilo man pre-working mm. out it's like understanding a bit of that the initial reasons of why now i can see yeah jujitsu yeah. is something i want now yes yeah definitely what did it feel like going from um like not having done strength training to having done strength training for a while seeing this considerable change of putting on mm. mass and muscle was there any sort of not just physical changes which are obvious that happened mm. but any sort of uh like mental changes like again that confidence thing i said before like yeah. you find any different sense of like oh i hold myself up different now a hundred percent i think if you've been through any like gym phase any like exercise you know you, you know the answer to that question right yeah it's like yeah. it's it's very obvious you just start i felt as though i was missing the mark in like a lot of areas mm. and the gym was just like the uh mm. i don't know like it was holding everything up so as the as i got better in the gym you know my sleep improved obviously you're exercising more my i became more aware of my diet mm. uh like staying hydrated mm. it's just like it, it picks everything up yeah so it's like yeah. you can attribute it all to the gym but in reality it's just you you're fulfilling more areas of your life yeah and it then, works as a gateway yeah it's like oh, a gateway drug yeah it's all it is being in the gym it's like it's like you start realizing if i can 
go to the gym six days a week and pick up heavy pieces of metal for two hours. I can definitely go to bed on time and wake up. up <laughs> yeah. Drink yeah, yeah. water. It's like, fuck, that's the easiest part. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think the, well, it's like once you get going, it's like a snowball effect. Mm. You see, mm. I had people would come to me at work that I hadn't seen in ages and be like, whoa, what the, f what happened? Yeah. So we've been going to the gym. It's like, hell yeah, I've been going to the gym. Yeah. And that right there is like, not that you do it for that ego kick, but that's what reaffirms you're like, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, there's a noticeable change happening. Yeah. Change is happening. People are seeing it, yeah. whether or not you are or not. But those moments are like, all right, maybe it is having some physical benefit. Mm. Mm. And uh, that again, mirrors what happens in jujitsu when you roll with higher belts and they're like, that was nice. That's like, you can see you're getting better. Whether or not mm. you see it or not, Yeah. people can see yeah maybe it's a minute increase but it's still an increase but it is meaningful when someone with a higher belt acknowledges either like oh i see you've learned something yeah or i see you're better at doing this or i see like oh you're better defending yourself in this position mm -hmm. and and that feels good as well and jujitsu the journey with jujitsu seems to me more of a sophisticated one um in terms of uh, if I were to compare it to weightlifting in the gym, mm. uh, because of all the other kind of aspects that come into it, there's all these different relationships that you build intimately with people because you're in their space, you're on top of them, you're around them, yeah. your arms around their head, their in arms their around yours, uh, and then your friends after. And there's all these different intricacies of complexity, um, whereas like the complexity in a gym might kind of tap out at a certain point. You yeah. can get as complex as you want, it's but not really there. it's not really there. No. Whereas this, there's all these different sequences that you can build into, that you can jump between, and mm -hmm. all these different scenarios. And we always kind of uh, refer to it as like human chess, mm -hmm. and that's what it feels like a lot. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the fact that jiu-jitsu has that sophistication to it? Uh, like, what about that is satisfying to you? It's the skill ceiling. Mm. It's like, I'm not, I don't want to say that weightlifting is unskilled, but right. I think I can probably get away with saying that. Once you learn the movements and the form, it's you're pretty locked in. Maybe it's the same yeah. thing as jujitsu once you learn the movements and techniques. Mm. But I'd, I, I think most people would agree that jujitsu is probably more complicated than bodybuilding. It's more of a study, yeah. I would say. But though you can, I suppose, get into the depths of like, you know, you can go into all the like Science calculations of like how many macros should I eat yeah. to get this big, blah, blah, blah. But um, there is depth in bodybuilding for sure. There's depth into it. Um, but I think yeah, most people would agree that uh, well, at least jujitsu people would agree that it's mm. probably jujitsu that's deeper. Yeah. With the actual physicality of it yeah. in itself, like the physicality is, is a lot more complicated. Whereas weightlifting is just, can I do more next time? Basically with the same form. Mm-hmm. Can I just lift a higher number? You know, yeah. have I gained enough mass and enough muscle to... There's a lot you can... I mean, maybe there is side stuff you can sidetrack into, like all the science-based stuff and peer-reviewed studies, all that stuff. There is there is depth yeah. in bodybuilding for sure. Yeah. But um, no, the, the skill ceiling in jiu-jitsu is probably what's appealing because it's like there's so much at the beginning you don't know. Mm. Mm. It's like, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. But other people that are teaching you have, have somewhat of an idea or yeah. an idea. Yeah. And it's like, or inspiring to see um, situations where like, I'm learning something from someone. Yeah. 
Um, for instance, I've had um, a few roles with Craig. I'm mm. not sure if you've met Craig when he's a purple belt. Okay. And he's telling me stuff about, all right, yeah, from this position, like I did like a, I don't know, a bridging escape from Mount or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh yeah, then you can do this and that. And that leads into, and he's like, yeah, but don't worry about that yet. That comes later. And it's like, yeah. there's all this like shrouded knowledge. Yes. It's like, it's there to be yeah. unlocked. You just have to like put the time in to learn the beginning stuff. And mm. there's more and more and more. And it seems like no matter who you talk to mm. um, for like the purple belts probably having a similar discussion about how to improve things in their game. They definitely are. Yeah. Um, with the black belts or with the... Yeah. And it's like Bill can go to a seminar of other black belts and they can talk about stuff. And it's like the skill seeding is literally infinite. It's like... Yeah. And that is what makes it appealing in the... Um, it makes the rewards of progression more valuable because it's like you can just mm. see mm. it's a vast ocean so in terms of progression as we've spoken about jiu-jitsu has this seemingly infinite ceiling mm. um, if we compare it to bodybuilding there is a similarly somewhat infinite ceiling in terms of how big can one get mm. how heavy can one lift uh, and then you can go into the depth of like how dialed in can your diet be down to the you mm -hmm. know do 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 um and it makes me think that there's so many i mean basically anything you do can have an infinite amount of depth if you decide to dive into it um hmm. it's true n nearly everything like if you really want like you know tech decks can be <laughs> as, as complicated as you want to make it they are really complicated you know you can get down to the physics <laughs> of it you can get down to anything and so that kind of applies to anything um, the way I'm thinking about it right now, what is it about um, the martial art of jiu-jitsu itself that provides more value to your life than weightlifting if we take the hypothetical approach that they both have an infinite skill ceiling? I don't know, actually. Now you mention it, I think it's just because it's new. Mm. I think I've been doing... Um, I don't consider myself to be skilled mm in the gym I, I know what i'm doing more than the average person mm. most likely um but i don't you know i don't consider myself an advanced or experienced level lifter intermediate would be fine i'd be happy with that right um but i don't know maybe it's like the uh the new periods like the beginner mm. phase where it's like mm. everything is new this is sweet yeah. like motivation is there because you're always learning I think true. it gets to a point or it got to a point in my strength training where it's like I got the program locked in yeah I've got like during this was maybe back in the UK when it was probably more um, more at the forefront when I had like a journal which had all of my sets and reps previous weights going back months and months and months so I could see like yeah. am I actually inducing hypertrophy by increasing reps or weight or whatnot mm. uh, diet was locked in tracking macros and stuff like that mm. and it's like I got to a point where there's only so much real optimization and stuff you can do. You just have to now put in the time mm. and you don't really have to change anything provided you're like, yeah, it's like provided you're hitting each muscle group enough times in the week, you know, you're hitting legs, hitting arms, shoulders, back, whatever. Yeah. It's like the exercises that I'd found over the time of my training, I, I enjoyed doing, yeah. doing compound, doing isolation. It's like, I was already pretty deep in the rabbit hole mm. and sure it the, the process was working it's like if I didn't have a lifestyle change where I'd moved to Canada mm. I probably would have just stuck with it and did the same thing maybe I changed the program eventually to like do uh, I don't know maybe like a power building split or something that's all right. you really can do to keep it fresh is by just 
I don't know, train with someone else that has different um, different exercises yeah. or yeah. switch your program up. Yeah. Whereas this, it's like, you're never going to get this kind of spark you'd get from the gym mm. without making some like massive change. Because mm. you're already well accustomed to everything. It's like, you can change an exercise, but fundamentally what you're doing is still the same. Yes, absolutely. Just lifting weights. Might do slight form change. Yeah, might you might switch it up. You might switch front the order. Squat instead of back squat. Yeah, front squat instead of back squat. Whatever. Yeah, that's it. And you're basically working towards lifting another weight in the future. Yeah. That's basically what you're working towards. It's like, can up. I do that again, but with a bigger number? Yeah. Um, something about jujitsu that excites me is that it has a direct application to life not necessarily that I wish to, <laughs> you know, armbar every yeah, pedestrian. Fight people. Um, <laughs> but should the situation arise that I need to defend myself or hopefully defend someone uh, who can't defend themselves, then I find myself better equipped to do so. I feel less helpless. Mm. I feel a little bit more capable. Yep. Whereas if I could bench 300, <laughs> I still may not be all that helpful though i might be bigger and more muscular i have more swole. weight to throw around that doesn't ne- <laughs> yeah that doesn't necessarily mean that i know how to use it or where to put it it's true yeah it is true um there is the element of that in in the training i don't have any intention to go out and inflict harm on anyone no but um it's that uh that saying it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war kind of thing yeah, I have like I said, I have no desire to inflict harm, but yeah, no. just having the knowledge, mm. like it makes you more able to be comfortable and humble amongst your peers. It's like hundred percent. It's a great side effect. It's a fantastic side effect, and I I don't think it's. If that wasn't the side effect, then I don't think that I would be engaging with jujitsu. You just want to scrap people. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, but if it was like, um, you know, uh, that's why I'm practicing jujitsu and not like Tai Chi right now. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? Tai Chi might be able to come at like a different time. It's a bit older, I think. It's a bit older. Yeah. It's a little bit more like flow and like moving energy around as opposed to like defense or rear naked chokes. Anything. Yeah. Rear naked chokes. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's interesting because it's like, it's not about inflicting harm. It's actually about, uh, like stopping harm like whether you're defending yourself you're stopping harm from coming towards yourself and you mm-hmm. have the tools to do it or you're stopping harm from uh, arriving to someone else that you're trying to or have a responsibility to protect sure. or something like yeah. that then it's a uh, it's an incredibly valuable skill that's it's like yeah you'd rather be caught with it than without it yeah it makes sense right it's like a would i be doing it if i i mean you can't really say that it's a well, martial art right? it's going to make you more physically confident yes no matter what happens yeah it's like yeah. uh it's definitely you can get fit doing it as well like yeah. it's no joke it's really oh, no joke five minute rounds they're not a joke no, no it's crazy no, no, no. it's like it's really long <laughs> someone trying to choke you out for five minutes yeah being stuck in mount for five minutes yeah good fun dude yeah it's incredible <laughs> it's incredible it is physical for sure but it's the fine but i think that's the other point is it's like a fine balance between actual like physical work in the mm. role and then like instructional stuff mm. it's like a pure bit of learning and drilling and working stuff out with a partner in these positions and then it's like all right let's try and mm. put that into a test and yeah. normally i don't ever use the positions we learn because i'm too busy getting 
completely assaulted yeah. <laughs> but yeah. uh we hope that maybe Just in like a your life. couple years time maybe that'll change and i can apply some of the mm. deeper learning we've been looking at yeah and then one day be one of those uh you know blue belts or maybe even purple belts or maybe even brown belts someone like that who's giving this information to people who are just beginning yeah and don't really know what they're doing at all that would be the dream just try grabbing each other's necks with their hands <laughs> that's what we do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what our roles look like yeah yeah it's been good fun it's been a lot of fun uh learning jiu-jitsu together and and getting to share that getting to meet all these incredible new people yep again can't really say enough about everyone there it's just so nice it just feels so safe it's and weird huh yeah i heard someone say uh the other day at the get together he was just like i like how small this gym is because it's like um there's like no like weirdos swimming around that you don't know about <laughs> you know what i mean it's <laughs> I like you, you can't mean. get away with being like a little little like weirdo a in the back yeah yeah not like that they're you're weird but just like i don't know if you if you got like a psychotic look in your eye or something it's just like that dude does not you're gonna get checked right you're gonna get your ego checked yeah if you're going in there like a yeah dickhead pardon my french then yeah someone better than you is gonna come after you i think percent i think yeah i think so too it's the mohawk effect it's the (laughs) straight down the middle (laughs) straight down the middle that's it yeah so jujitsu has been a fantastic time it's been a fantastic learning experience together um, do you see yourself continuing it deep into your future? I hope so. The issue is like it requires, in order to go for like that pure progression, you've got to put a lot of time into it. Mm. And it's a hard balance between, I mean, the situation I'm in right now is perfect for dedicating time towards it. If yeah. I had a full-time job, it might be more difficult. Yeah. Maybe I'd train less frequently, still would go 100%. Yeah. And then obviously with the upcoming, like the, the work in the summer, it's not going to be possible. So I'm going to be forced into some time off it, but mm-hmm. hopefully... You'll keep it with you. 100%. Yeah. I'd like to keep going and just pick it back up once the season's over yeah. in October or whenever it is. Yeah. But um, it's up in the air. It's up yeah. in the air. So you are um, someone who has an affinity for complex tasks or projects or hobbies. Sure. Which I've noticed. Okay. Guitar rubik's cube <laughs> chess the rubik's cube jiu-jitsu sure things that demand that you face a challenge mm. things that demand that you face your limit over and over and over and over again <laughs> um and then continue pushing that limit relentlessly yeah so this like what i just described there is a way of learning that i personally am trying to cultivate and bring into my life Mm. because when i was younger there'd be a certain limit which wasn't very far where once i faced too much challenge i would give up on something Mm. and i wouldn't push past it to in the yearn for whatever that yearn is to improve at it where or why do you think that you've built an affinity for this kind of tenacity to learn something whether it's the rubik's cube whether it's guitar other people in your life i don't know was it the was it the environment at home that's a great question it is a great question um 
I don't know. I'd like to mm. come up with an on-the-spot answer, but it's kind of difficult. I think for some hobbies, I mean, the Rubik's Cube is, like, is maybe not as comparable to chess and like i guess you can group chess and jujitsu together right very easily that's just from my perspective because i personally perceive the rubik's cube as like this is difficult that's complex i don't want to but you've you've solved it no for it that the three by three no you didn't solve it no didn't mia teach you how to solve it she tried she tried didn't want to hear it (laughs) okay i didn't want to find that limit all right so no i found the limit i didn't want to push past for some reason want to solve it we can talk about in terms of the rubik's cube to begin with like the only way you can solve it mm. is by just learning it over and over again. Yeah. It's like the banging your head against the wall kind of thing. It yes. is just a series of patterns. Mm. Not, I don't want to spiral this into a conversation about how to solve a Rubik's Cube. Okay. But it's the same with guitar. And it's similar to chess and jujitsu, I guess. It's like you have to get the feeling of it you have to do it again and again and again yeah and it's the same with like if you want to learn a, a song in a guitar you have to yeah. play it and play it wrong yeah and learn like the whole thing and play one part of it wrong and again and again yeah and it's like your drive to learn that song and to acquire this as a skill is like it has to be more than mm. you have to see through the futility of what you're doing yeah why do you why do you even want to be able to play that song in the first place it's a great question what does it make you feel when you can play that song it's almost like um like i recently learned the guitar solo for hotel california yeah and it didn't take me that long to learn it yeah um because i just played it for like a lot just again and again and again but i spent hours playing it wrong yeah um but it's like the goal is there yeah i know that i can do it if i just put myself through the mill for yeah a few days but it has to be worthwhile yeah and i don't know why it's worthwhile Mm. Uh, obviously that that song has a deeper connection to like my grandfather and Mm. something i was learning it for yeah but putting that aside it's still like um if you want to get better at guitar yeah quote unquote i'm air quoting better right now yeah um you have to learn stuff and some of it's going to be fun and you enjoy and some of it's going to be like if you actually want to improve you got to do stuff like learn scales and yeah. arpeggios and people will say different things. This is only my opinion yeah. on what I've done to make myself quote unquote better. Yeah. Um, and it's the same with chess. You have to just learn stuff. Yeah. And we had a long conversation the other day about this. Mm. And um, I don't know why I don't have the tendency to stop when it gets annoying and difficult. Yeah. It's more like if anything that motivates me more, it's like, why mm. can't I solve this straight away? Because you know you can. It's like now you've been presented with a problem and it's like you have two options you can either mm. i'll be like complain about it and stop and just be like all right well i'm gonna give up yeah or you can be like okay this is like a test yeah. do i actually want to learn this or am i gonna just yeah give up yeah yeah and i don't know why the rubik's cube falls under the whole i want to learn this yeah but it's like i think you stupid, like learning yeah it's like this stupid little plastic cube yeah I'm a human being with millions, <laughs> millions of years of evolution or whatever yeah, the hell. It's yeah. like, of course I'm going to be able to rotate some colors into the same area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that whole wooden puzzle. I can sit there for half an hour and look at the stupid wooden yeah, cube yeah. puzzle. I guess where I fall in with the Rubik's Cube is like, I know I could do it if I sat down and learned <laughs> to, but I just don't want to. Yeah. Because maybe because like learning the Rubik's Cube doesn't do anything for me other than, you know, look smooth yeah after it doesn't even do that it hardly it's, not, it's, a, it's a falling feeling solving it. it's like that's it yeah it's all i got yeah so so <laughs> so it provides nothing else for me in the rest of my life 
Mm. But things like jujitsu and guitar are different in the sense that they provide more into your life than the Rubik's Cube would, hopefully. Yeah, you'd hope so. I would think, unless you're like Grandmaster Rubik's well, Cubing yeah, yeah, and yeah. you're at the top of the game, but, you know. I'm not there yet. But not, not everyone <laughs> wants to be there. No, not many people Not many people do. Yeah. I don't think. So then why is it even worthwhile playing guitar? That's a Which good question. seems like a silly question because it's like so incredible when you hear a guitar player and the sounds that are being made, but... Why is it like what is the what is the feeling associated with being able to create that kind of sound? Um, it's a long and complicated story mm. that um, I can briefly paraphrase because mm. like um, I didn't whether or not I made a conscious decision to start playing guitar when I was younger. I don't know. I think it was yeah. in part my parents. Yeah. Um, I started at like a guitar club when I was seven. Yeah. And. Um, I don't remember the early years of learning guitar like as obviously it's like I went to guitar club I learned a few songs yeah um, is it an overall like positive memory in your mind like it's a up place and down. you enjoyed being no it's like an up and down thing I never mm. there have been times in my life where I've quit guitar mm. for I mean maybe in my like early teens 13, 14 I think I might have stopped for like a year yeah just stopped playing didn't have any I mean I, I have guitars in my room I had and I set up an amp and that um, I had guitar teachers, and even with like going to guitar lessons, this was something that my parents were like uh, funding mm. to help me. You know, they wanted to keep me interested in it. Yeah. But in reality, it just wasn't in my mind at that point. It was like mm. I don't have any value for this instrument. I'm not going to learn to play it. Mm. It's like a chore to pick it up. Mm. And then as I got older, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Throwing away the years I've spent learning how to play it. Yeah. Like for nothing. And I think yeah. I maybe broke myself down a bit and looked at like the reasons for why I was playing it. Because mm. the reasons why my mom and dad were trying to get me to play it mm. was to get like grades. Right. Like to do exam, this is basically like an exam system. Why do they want you to do well on exams? Why do your parents, well, I don't know. You could ask that about anyone's parents. They yeah. want their kids to do well for whatever their reasons are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if I had done guitar grades, it's like mm. a tangible thing to show people oh i'm a good guitarist again i'm using my air quotes here yeah because i've got a piece of paper that says that i can do this that and the other yeah, yeah. which in, in truth it does show that you have skill it's like you've learned mm. this syllabus you can play it to an examiner and they can yeah. go yeah you tick the boxes prove that i i'll do the work yeah that's it yeah but it's like that wasn't what i wanted to learn guitar for mm. and the reason why i fell back in love with the instrument was just like listening to the music i want to listen to mm. trying to play the songs that i like and trying to learn the style of the guitarists that influence and like and mm. uh, inspire me mm. and that's like the real reason to keep playing is because it's more um i'm doing it for me not for anyone else at this point yeah and like yeah. the whole journey has been up and down because it's been various like mm. reasons why i don't want to keep playing and stuff but yeah, yeah yeah it's been a journey and at this point i've been playing it for so long yeah and i've accumulated enough skill to where it's like it is stupid to stop playing it because I mm. do enjoy it mm. at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that will change. Maybe in a year's time, I won't like playing guitar again. Yeah. Maybe well, you can uh, just take a break. That's all it is. Yeah. It's like, um, that's part of the cycle, in my case anyway, it's like the up and down. Right, right. It's like... That's why I asked, um, that's why I asked, well, like, why do you think your parents thought it was important that you did well on the exam? Not that, um, obviously, they want you to do well as opposed to doing poorly. Sure. But why musical exams is that important to succeed at why do you think 
your parents placed value on music? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Are they both I, musicians? Uh, no, neither of them are musicians. Interesting. My mom plays the saxophone now, so she would That's be pretty cool. considered the musician. Yeah. Um, you think it could be something? This is totally just... Uh, uh, what do you call this? Spitballing. Spitballing, but like, um, I'm imagining myself if I grow up and I'm at the point where I'm having kids and maybe I wished I'd always played guitar. Sure. And then I never did. Yep. I'd be like, here's a chance for my kid to have that experience. Like vicariously. Yeah, vicariously. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably an element of it. Yeah. I think if I was a father and my kid was learning, I mean, mm. if I imagine myself as a non-guitarist. Right. Of course, your natural parental inclination is you want your kids to do well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Whatever it is they do. Yeah. yeah. But I think at that age, I wasn't old enough or mature enough to realize that that wasn't the reason why I wanted to play the instrument. Mm, mm. And I think it reflects heavily on um, what got me into guitar was my guitar teacher. I credit nearly all of it to my first guitar teacher, Mr. Rose, who was like a very uh, inspiring figure for... He was like a punk musician. Yeah. Punk guitarist. Sweet. He taught me and my friends punk songs and yeah. it wasn't about theory or about grades. It was it about was just fun. jamming. It's yeah. about learning riffs and playing chords. And <laughs> granted, that was so crappy guitar yeah. when I was seven and eight and nine, ten, all the way through to however old. Mm. And uh but that's where the love came from. And the older mm. I got and the more like it went down like the classical musician route of like yeah. show people that you're good by having a piece of paper, then yeah the love was dropping as the like mm. the degree to prove mm. was increasing so the the exams and the the theory side of things they do have their use obviously they improve your and they're a system for improving your technical ability sure. and understanding which you can translate to things if you so desire mm. um but the love and the fun and the passion came from mr rose yeah, yeah. it's almost strange in that like what I learn now in my free time mm. is is theory. It's mm. stuff that I would have been learning when I was younger, mm. but I'm doing it for a different reason. Mm. I'm not doing it for an exam. I'm doing it because it's going to help me improve like my improv technique, which yeah. is something that I love doing is guitar improv. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, so I will happily sit there and learn scales and modes and arpeggios and stuff. Whereas it's the basically the exact same stuff I was learning from the grade books. Yeah. But yeah, it's completely the orientation. And your reason for learning it is completely different, different now. 100% different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like I've got some guitar teacher droning out of a book saying, you've got to learn these scales and these different fretboard positions. Snooze. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to go to sleep, dude. Yeah. It's more like, you want to play improv like Guthrie Govan. Yeah. I want to play like a, yeah. my favorite guitarist. It's like, you are. he tells you, yeah, learn this stuff. Mm. It's like, but don't put too much weight on it, but just learn it if you want to <laughs> yeah that's the best of both worlds isn't it is like being able to love and have fun of what you're doing enough to where the technical parts of it are interesting and of value to mm. you that you like care to do them because you see they have a different value for you now yeah um as opposed to before maybe before you're exposed to mr rose um there wasn't necessarily as much like um maybe like freedom is sure. freedom a good way to describe it um yeah i guess so i guess as i i got older i discovered what i wanted out of the instrument Mm. whereas before it was people telling me what the instrument was going to give me yeah if that's the way i can say it that'd be too philosophical yeah now it's like um yeah i don't have to listen to anyone about what to learn if i hear something and i think that's cool 
yeah. a lot of Yeah. You have independent sovereignty over your guitar playing. Yeah. It's pretty freaking cool. I think um, maybe it'd be interesting to know like other people's experiences for mm. if they had gone on a similar path. I don't know what the regular guitar learning trajectory looks like. You tried learning guitar and it's it's damn tough. It is. I think that a lot of the credit of why I could still play it is because I did it when I was younger. Mm. If I picked it up now, I don't think I'd be mm. playing it. Yeah, it's something I'd love to know how to do. But at this point in my life, it's not a priority. It's like there's other things mm. that require my energy and my attention right now. It's a lot of work. That And it's a lot of work. It's a huge dedication. 100%. So learning as a kid is a pretty good time to do it um, because you have a lot of free time. You have a lot of like time to explore level. and learn. 100%. Yeah. Mm. So that's pretty cool that you've had those years behind you to learn how to do that. And now it's kind of yours for the making in whatever direction you want to take it. Yeah. Very grateful for the, uh, even if the middle phase of it was like ambiguous gray area, yeah. I could have quit there very easily. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm grateful for the push from my parents to mm. at least keep me going even if it was forcibly forcibly yeah yeah yeah. it's like now i look back and be like it was worth it that's so interesting because my my parents have a bit of a different approach or had a bit of a different approach where maybe i just complained too much or whatever the case <laughs> was but uh if i complained just enough then i didn't have to get forced to do it yeah i'd get let off the hook and then i wouldn't have to do the thing yeah maybe that is different I don't yeah. think my parents would let me off the hook for a lot of things. Yeah. It was the same for Taekwondo now I think about it. Interesting. I quit karate. Yeah. I quit karate and then I quit drums. I wasn't allowed to quit. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you look back and it's like positive and negative. And at the time, maybe yeah. it was all negative. It was like, God, mm. I have to do this again. Yeah. Friday night sparring class. I remember that. Coming home yeah, after yeah. school on a Friday night. Yeah. And you have to go to a two-hour sparring class at Taekwondo. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because now at this age, part of me has these like, oh, you know, like I wish I was just forced to do things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Are you thankful that you were forced to have to do some of these things for the skills that you harbor today? It's hard to say. Yeah. It's hard to say. I think guitar is obviously a very like, I I, I uh, hold it up very highly. So I do yeah. now look back and be like, all of the hardship I went through, it was yeah. worth it. Yeah, but like, yeah. could I have been doing something else instead of Taekwondo? Right. Could I have been doing something else instead of guitar? Chromatography. I could have been doing chromatography. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I could have been doing anything else. Yeah. I could have been doing uh, more sport. Mm. could have been yeah it could be anything that's what you mean right it's like yeah. i'm sure you did things as a result of not learning karate right that maybe had more of a benefit for you today than karate would have done right 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 and it's like even if i look back on the hardships and the distaste of taekwondo mm. um and think overall it was positive it's like what could i have been doing if i wasn't spending seven years doing taekwondo yeah true it would have just it would have been another hobby or project or just a whole different skill timeline. to learn someone else yeah so what it could have been it could be anything of more or less value exactly it right. could literally be could have been more rubik's cube could have been life defining could have been life defining maybe if i didn't put so much time into taekwondo i would have put more time into guitar and i'd be a famous guitarist mm, yes that's <laughs> probably, possible probably not but maybe because you put so much time into taekwondo you 
<laughs> we'll carry those memories with you forever. I will. Yeah. That, yeah. I, it could be anything. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Maybe being forced into things was a good thing at the time. I don't know. Your parents want what's best for you, right? And yeah. at that given moment, they yeah. know a heck of a lot more about what's good for you than you do. So That's so interesting because I think in both cases, it's true. Your parents just want what's best for you. Whether in both of our cases, right? Yeah. Different whether approaches. that's like forcing you to continue to practice or to learn or not letting you quit something or letting you off the hook or giving you some slack. It's like in the moment as a parent, how do you know which one is going to uh, have the effect, the desired effect on your child? Yeah. It's like, you don't know until, until it ha until the future happens. Decades later when they have yeah. the podcast talking about to find out <laughs> whether why'd you do good. this to me, mom? Why? <laughs> it's true. It's just them like making the best decision that they think with the tools that they had at the time. Yeah. Maybe if they went back now, they wouldn't make the same decision or maybe they would. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. all about like, you know, that it's their job, their first time being a parent. Mm. And if we had kids right here, right now, and I'm sure it would not be so obvious to us dude i'd be making a bad choice yeah. <laughs> i'm not qualified enough right now to be making decisions that are going to influence my children's lives for the decades yeah. to come yeah although isn't that crazy i don't know dude it's tough but if there's a kid right in front of you you have no choice it's hard to say because but like to make a choice the, the hobbies that my parents i use the word forced again with quotations mm. it wasn't mm. i mean it kind of was but not like fighting for it like mm. they hadn't, my parents, neither of them had done Taekwondo or martial arts. Yeah. I think my mom did jujitsu actually. Now I think about it for a little bit. Oh, for real? Yeah. You guys got a roll. I think this was like, you know, it was quite a long time ago. Okay, gotcha. But, um, but they were like getting me and my uh, siblings to do hobbies that they hadn't had the opportunity to do. Mm. And from their perspective, I think it was, you're so lucky enough to have this present itself to you. Mm. It would be a waste for you not to do it. Uh, which was yeah. how the whole my brother played the drums my sister played violin yeah i played guitar they were trying to get a whole little uh they were just it was an band together yeah this, you guys ever jam no because my no. brother quit playing the drums and my sister quit playing the violin oh yeah and yeah. it was like the opportunities there they have violin lessons they have drum lessons yeah do you want to learn it yeah at the time yes they did did they get let off the hook um or were they just so adamant were they more adamant about quitting than you were a good question you're the oldest i am the oldest there's can, something about personality types in the oldest probably yeah just being the best looking and the most charismatic yeah that sort of stuff 100 <laughs> yeah i mean you can't I, say that as a young i'm the youngest so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not about to hastily agree yeah yeah you. okay 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 uh but yeah the whole um maybe they did get let off i don't know i think they just didn't want it uh, maybe my sister uh, always told me like you had it easier than me like they they were easier on you yeah i'd agree with that about. Yeah. I think as they went through the... I mean, me and my brother are, are a very similar age. We're only like a year and a bit apart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my sister isn't forced to do much, I don't think. Yeah. I don't really get I don't really get involved with right. politics in the family. No, but, as one shouldn't. But and also that was ages ago when she was at like the age of seven to 12 where their kind of parents, they mold you a little bit more than... Yeah. How old she is now at 17, so... Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm not sure why my brother quit the drums. We can ask him tomorrow. Interesting. <laughs> well, we can talk about it because I quit the drums too. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what it was. I was bored. It could have been that. Yeah. You get bored was of it. Was he playing um, just like sheet music? I think so. Yeah, that sucks. It does, yeah. 
It really sucks. It's probably the same reason why I got bored of guitar when I was learning drums. Yeah. He was doing great drums as well, so I'm yeah, pretty yeah, sure yeah. that's probably why. But then you know it's way more fun is playing with other people. 100%. Crazy good. Maybe if he played drums with people now, he'd get back into it. Yeah. It's like you've been, you know, jamming that's what happened. and stuff. Yeah. It felt so good. It was so much fun. Because you're doing it for like, that for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I was doing it because I liked it. That's it. I loved it. And you know, it's interesting about what you said. So my experience kind of mirrors and echoes yours is that when I was uh, like jamming with these guys, I was noticing qualities in my playing where I was just like, oh, those technicalities could be cleaned up and it would sound and feel a lot better. Mm. Thus bringing it all the way back around to me seeing the value in the technicalities of sheet music and technique. Yeah, like now I want to learn. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah, because the learning impacts my enjoyment of it. Yeah. Whereas, Whereas when I was younger, it was like the learning, I didn't understand didn't understand how it was even contributing it's to like my no reason for it. it yeah no visible or tactile reason for it yeah not jamming in a band yeah yeah exactly but i um, just wanted to get better by doing mm-hmm. like Actually. i would always like put my headphones in and listen to my favorite songs at the time and then just try to play along to them yeah i didn't want to do the sheet music in the book no, i don't blame you but That's i didn't why. but at the same time the sheet music in the book you know made me more able to do different fills or patterns or whatever mm-hmm. and i otherwise wouldn't have known how to do sure you could have figured it out eventually i'd imagine i think so i think so a lot of drums feels very like instinctual just a natural rhythm yes i think so yeah yeah yeah. it's an interesting uh interesting feeling i think people have it or they don't it's Mm. pretty obvious in like um some music classes in secondary if someone sat on the drum kit and they could just play the drums yeah 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 because there's something about that like yeah natural their metronome. internal clock they've just got something people that have no coordination with the drums it's like yeah it's pretty i mean i think most musicians have somewhat of like an internal tempo if you're 100%. playing in a, in a group right you have to understand tempo yeah, and yeah, rhythm yeah. yeah so i think i feel like i feel like most humans have to have some sort of internal tempo whether or not it's like practiced i'd hope so yeah right i do i do believe there is a fair bit of it because tempo like reaches out into the world beyond just music you know, it's like it's like your heartbeat, your heartbeat, the oh. cadence at which you walk. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you, yeah, all that stuff. It's all related. Yeah, I'd imagine. You know, it's interesting about the fact that um, you were practicing music or practicing uh, taekwondo, and you were heavily encouraged to not quit one might say forced to not quit and just like pursue those things yep. now in your life you are pursuing things of challenge without anyone telling you what to do without anyone saying that you have to sure because you don't actually have to no and so something like well something big in your life which is the firefighting sure. the forest firefighting yep that you did last season and you're going to engage with again this season is huge challenge there's a lot you have to learn there's really uncomfortable situations that you need to place yourself into there is you know a lot of challenges along the way that i'm definitely not even sure about sure um it's a harsh environment it's a harsh environment there's a lot of hard work to do carrying shit putting out fires long (laughs) days 
sleeping in the world (laughs) sleeping in a tent is a big thing yeah Yeah, some people like it um but you know it does suck being in a room at home is quite nice too it sure is a bed's sweet dude yeah well um what is it about firefighting that 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 makes you want to do it it's a good question it's a really good question it's something that i've thought about what are your favorite parts what are your favorite feelings i don't know Mm. i think that fundamentally to take it away from just it being firefighting yeah anyone in life um can gain like a great sense of valor and achievement when they dedicate their mental or physical energy towards like a cause Mm. that's greater than themselves Mm. i think when it feels like you're part of a machine Mm. bigger picture machine it's like i understand why i want to do it it might not be it might not be for valor or for fame and whatnot yeah but it's like i can see that what i'm putting my energy towards is overall having a positive effect Mm. on the greater world mm. be it like at a micro level in terms i mean if we talk about just about firefighting yeah obviously yeah stopping forests from burning down macro level micro could be saving communities yeah um saving animals yeah it's like just um it's not i don't do it for any valor in particular but it's like you can see that there's a reason behind it yeah and yeah, it's yeah. kind of the same for like snowboard instructing it's like mm. you're teaching people yeah. Um, or helping them learn to snowboard. It's like there's a net positive. Yeah. It's the same with like your movement coaching. It's like you are working with a group of people to have a net positive on those that come to you in search of mm. whatever they come in search of. Mm. Mm. It's um, maybe it's not necessarily about how difficult it is. I don't know what it is about it that I enjoy. I just think it's a cool fucking job. <laughs> it is. It is sweet. It, it sounds is. cool. Yeah. And I think. Um, I'm not sure what drew me to it. I obviously should make people aware that David Goggins has been a, a an incredible influence mm. on my life. For <laughs> that sounds a bit of a suck up thing, but it's true. Yeah. Um, it's hard not to be influenced by him if you listen to him. True. Yeah. For the last couple of years, and I learned about firefighting through his audiobook, mm. through the like the ending of his first book. He talks yeah. about what he started doing, and then just by me being in Canada for the snowboard instructing it's a thing that happens here very Mm. prominently especially Mm. in bc and it was through no fault of my own just sheer fate of meeting keir keir happened to work there in lift ops he did it last season Mm -hmm. and like i've told a story before of um i was looking at firefighting on the work computer in the sales department Mm -hmm. and robin saw me in it saw me looking at it or something like that and was like oh keir's a firefighter and then i got put in touch with keir and next thing you know i have a job And so I blame it on fate because I never would have been in sales if I didn't break my bones yeah, snowboarding. Yeah, that's so true. So I maybe wouldn't have ended up doing firefighting if, if I hadn't had the time. If I never so you can obviously go back as far as you want. Yeah. If I'd never been never been born or something, <laughs> whatever. But um it was through the positive experiences of last season and the people I met and the work and the whole package of what makes me want to do it again. Yeah. From the outside, yeah, it looks like it sucks. It's hard work, it's hot. Mm dangerous working conditions yeah yeah, but like on the inside it's you and a great group of people like-minded physically fit individuals that go out into the middle of fucking nowhere and Mm. 
dig holes together and have a laugh. And you will sit there and like at lunchtime, we're like, damn, it's fucking 30 degrees out. I'm sweating my nuts off and I'm covered in ash. Yeah. But hell yeah, me and all the boys are covered in ash. So it's like, we're living it up. We're doing something. We're and doing this, something like, good. Uh, these, these like humble moments, like driving home from the fire line of the truck, mm. the, the radio is on, maybe like ACDC is playing or something and the windows yeah. are down. It's yeah. like, everyone's fucking caked in it's like dust. It's like the end of a movie. It's like, hell yeah. It's like yeah. the end of a 12 hour shift. It's like, we just went out there and threw down and yeah. now we're heading back, gonna go to eat, yeah. go eat, go shower, go sleep, wake up and do it again. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the group mentality that's probably the biggest draw of it. Because mm. you can do anything. You can walk through fucking hot coals if you've got a good group of boys with you. Yeah. And yeah. girls, I'm sure. Yeah, 100%. So, so something that you mentioned was that you enjoy the aspect of it where you feel as though you're contributing to a greater cause mm. and having a net positive um on the world around you and firefighting is a fantastic medium to do this through sure yeah. because it comes with um it comes with so many other aspects like you said being a part of a large team mm-hmm. um i imagine even though it's like dangerous conditions being outside is also a massive bonus yeah like nature spend time outside nature get yeah. to see different areas um is there a there must be a level of of heightened awareness or appreciation for the fact that it is dangerous by nature. Yeah, sure. Is that something that draws you to it? Is that there's like a... It's not so just like cozy? Yeah, maybe. Mm. Maybe that's what it is. I think there's a big influence from like... Nothing that's worthwhile doing is ever easy kind of thing. Mm. It's like there's... What's the phrase? It's like embrace the suck. Yeah. It's like the the work sucks, but it's like at the end of the day, you don't look back on a deployment and go, man, that was shit. You, yeah, you look at it yeah. and go, it sucked, sure. But it's mm-hmm. like at the end of the day, we turned up, we worked hard and we got it done. Yeah. yeah. It's like um, maybe if I was working a comfortable job and it was maybe like office work or something, mm-hmm. I'm not going to look back at the end of my week and go, man, I really gave it my everything. That <laughs> week. Well, I just fucking sat down. Yeah, yeah, Sweet, yeah. Dude. That works for some people and that's yeah. awesome. But yeah. I think there is like more reward to be found in the jobs where you have to like actually show up mm. and be like you gotta leave everything out there yeah and I think maybe the danger does it is it the draw not really mm. but then again would it be as you know would it have the same draw if it wasn't dangerous if there was no if it risk wasn't as epic as forced being on fire yeah but I mean I think the pretty like not that it's good but it's awesome it is awesome yeah. it's not good but yeah you're right it is awesome but i think like if there was no danger maybe it wouldn't be as rewarding mm. i think mm. it's the willingness to go out there in mm. i'm not going to use the phrase line of duty but like yeah yeah it's the risk that it isn't guaranteed that yeah. you're going to come home it's like the consequences that you don't go out there the consequence are, like the consequence of you as in you all mm. not going out there are heavy. Yeah. I, th- I think if I, the danger in my head doesn't play a part, but when I really think about it, if the job wasn't dangerous, it wouldn't be as appealing. Yeah. Because yeah. It, there's no like real reward. Yeah. It's like, um, like if you're like a 
ball boy at Wimbledon or something. Exactly. That, that's pretty great, Andrew. Those guys can get hit with balls <laughs> flying up. Yeah, you five. get embarrassed on the big screen, too. 100%. Yeah. That's worse than any fire line yeah, hazard, I'd say. <laughs> Jeez. You mean embarrassed on live TV at Wimbledon? Yeah. But yeah, it's a... Uh, I think it's, it is an inherently dangerous job, 100%. Yeah. And I think that, like, a lot of it goes into risk mitigation or the effort. Mm. So there is a lot to be done to avoid risk, but... Um, I think that's what maybe makes it more enjoyable, I mm. guess. It's exciting. Does it yeah. make it exciting? Yeah, it's not like you're doing like stupid reckless stuff. That doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's more often like there is always the element of things going wrong. It mm. doesn't mean that you're just needlessly putting yourself in risk. That you're yeah, trying yeah. to do the exact opposite of that. Yeah, you're always on your toes. You're always on alert. Head on a swivel kind of thing is what you say. You're looking out for you and you're looking out for everyone in your team. And it's like... yeah. At the end of the day, the goal is to come back alive. Yeah. Um, so I guess maybe to summarize it, I guess the danger is the draw of it. Because it's not the guarantee of you go out there, you do work and you come home. It's like, mm. sure, I have come home. But I have to do a good job to come home. Yeah. I've got to show up. have for, to do a good job. Yeah. Everyone has to show up and mm. be present. And like everyone on the, on the crew has to be uh, aware that it's not guaranteed that we all come home, so we will have to do our best to yeah. make sure it's yeah. we do. What were some of the most uh, unexpected circumstances or lessons that you derived from the last season? Things that you didn't expect, things you didn't see coming, um, or operations. Things that I didn't see coming. Breakfast food items. Yeah, just eating fried breakfast every day. <laughs> God. I didn't think that have blueberries got I uh the most unexpected stuff. Hmm. I'm not sure. The big like some of the biggest lessons. Hmm. Um or maybe like some of the biggest misconceptions that I had where it's all about like gung ho. Yeah. Like grab a fucking Pulaski and run straight forward into the blazing forest it's like nothing like that yeah, yeah it's yeah. like oh the wind's changed we can't go in there we're gonna sit in the truck it's staging for seven hours yeah yeah in, just in the truck the yeah. whole day because it's not safe mm. and it's like the misconception i mean i'm never gonna say that when someone asks what the job's like right but it can be like that yeah and the misconception of it's always go 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 yeah there's a lot of downtime there's a lot of it being like you know the plan we had initially doesn't work yeah you got to take a step back and reassess it yeah and maybe it's like with some days where like the incident commander would be like well the fires jumped the road here and it's now approaching these like cabins it's like it's not worth you staying out there we have to reassess the whole bigger picture thing and it's like mm. you're just a, a tiny tiny pawn in a way way bigger game yeah and it's like you might think what you're doing is relevant but ultimately yeah. you're like a, you've got your crew boss who's leading you and then there's the IC that's leading them and then the IC has a boss and the boss has a boss and it's like, yeah. there's a whole bigger chess game being played on like the macro level. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. it's not all about glory and, you know, when, when, when my mum thinks of firefighting, she thinks of the whole You're running, a hero. running into the forest. forest You're a hero. Yeah. But yeah. it's not that. It's like, uh, you've got to pay your, pay your dues and mm. wait for the higher ups to like the puppeteers. Mm -hmm. They're the one playing the game and, looking at the bigger picture not like in a bad way it's like yeah 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 they, that's they how the system on. works there's a system that's in place to make sure everyone's as safe as possible yeah to make sure the fire is controlled as efficiently as possible that's it 
probably hopefully as cost effectively as possible as well. Exactly, These are all yeah. things that they're thinking about. And it's like all you can see is what's directly in front of you, like the fire yeah. right here, but Taking the person the like seven levels up is like looking at it from like a provincial level yeah thinking about yeah. resources and where you are and is it worth having these people here if mm. this is happening there's so much shit going on it's uh yeah like you said it's a bigger chess game 100 percent. it all comes back to chess doesn't it it's <laughs> everything in life can be chess damn is it uh, <laughs> do you have any interest in becoming pursuing those higher up positions where you are delegating moving troops around moving around resources no maybe not terribly yeah i like the idea being a crew boss is kind of cool but um having some level of man management would be nice but not to the point where you're like i think the higher up you go the Mm. lonelier it gets it's more office work yeah and if you're studying at the bottom as a crew member and a a, like a unit crew yeah you've got loads of people who are at the same level you move one level up you've gone from one of 18 to one of four yeah you go up again you're now one of one yeah and that's it it's like the further up you go who can you relate to yeah and it's funny because one of the ic's from one of our fires last year said this he's like i miss being part of the the crew he Uh was he was an incident commander so he's like yeah managing like all the transport and the water delivery and the aviation and all the crews Mm. and it's like but no one's there to like talk to him about just like chat shit in the truck it's yeah. like he's yeah. on his own yeah yeah. And he's yeah. got all these people to manage but none of them are there for him they're all there for their own individual unit it's lacking the camaraderie in That's the workspace he, exactly what he said mm-hmm. and i was like it's not really um a goal of mine to go into upper management but like crew bossing sure because at least then you're like you can run a crew how you want maybe yeah. i've yeah. got to see if you think that you can do a better job maybe then what is being done the opportunity is there to step up into a role of somewhat manage- management then but yeah. even then it's not really managing because there's someone above you that's telling you what to do and someone above them so it's yeah. there's always a um a span of control and like a hierarchy but um mm. i guess it's something to think about so for this upcoming season uh you're deciding to go with a different route than you did last season mm. in terms of uh, your employer. Sure. So this season, this upcoming season, you're working for the government. Yep. And what excites you about that? What helped you make that decision? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of the stuff I did last season like fulfilled my appetite Yeah. in terms of what I wanted. Mm. Going from not knowing anything about firefighting mm. to meeting Nick mm. and being taken on by him and putting a crew and working the entire season it's everything i wanted yeah um but there was um not a lack but there's something that the government crews offer mm. that you can't get as a type 3 contractor yeah like all the people that were career firefighters that i met in the contracting company were people that had previously worked for the government and that had stepped back mm. but still wanted to do it mm. like um and it's something that i think you could be a contract crew firefighter in type 3 very happily and i could do that every season but it's like if you want to show that you're actually like kind of serious about it yeah getting into the ministry and the progression within there is much more obvious Mm. um straight away you're at type 1 instead of type 3 so it's more um there's more work available you're on call as opposed to like or you're going to get work as opposed to a contract crew where it's like you might not get called out right and if i want to spend as much as my time firefighting during the season 
the only way to ensure that is to get myself on a crew with the government mm. where there's going to be I'm contracted to work from something to something mm. so guaranteed experience it was kind of just there and I spent a lot of time mostly near the end of the year last year where I spoke with people that were contract or not contract that were working on the ministry mm. um, like I said before we were tied in with a para crew on our last appointment and yeah. I spent a lot of time asking one of my now good like friends Owen mm. um, about stuff to do with the ministry and he was a smoke jumper so asking him about what that entails and um, the overall message I got was they were encouraging to apply mm. it's like if you mm. want more you have to kind of go down this route yeah and maybe if it was like a long-term plan i'd want to do a couple years as um working for the government maybe mm. i'd go into something higher up like para or work in rap or something i don't know yeah and then when i've had my fill of that take a step back and go work for Carmana again yeah as like um a type three crew boss or a crew right. member and at that point i could comfortably be like yeah i, I paid my dues within the industry mm. there's like a a level I've put out for myself. Mm-hmm. But, level of experience that you've gotten to have. Yeah. Whereas I think if I'd only tried to get progression through Carmana, yeah. Um, it's like you don't have any government experience. Like, I think maybe there's mm. a stigma attached to like you haven't actually tried. Maybe. Mm. Maybe that's not the right way of phrasing it, but. Like it's a different experience when you're with the government. It's more of a job role. It's not that they're both jobs. It's more of a like, commitment. It's way more of a commitment. Yeah. The the contract firefighting that I got to be a part of is great for... Um, if you want to be a part of it, you can get involved and be there the entire season. If you don't want to be a part of it for the entire season, yeah. you can drop in for two deployments, then drop out and say, I'm yeah. done. You know, yeah. Your season lasts four weeks, a month, yeah. and you're done. The government's like, you sign up, that's it. It's your job. You go in, in April, you come back in October. Yeah. And it's like, if they don't have firefighting work, you'll do other work for the government. You'll do like trail maintenance or yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. Other forestry work. It's a bigger commitment. It kind of shows something different. It's kind of like, uh, okay, I got my, I did well on my guitar exam. I've like shown the work. Yeah. I've shown, this is proof that I've put my head down and I could commit yeah. to these kinds of things. And there's proof here. It's there. It's a, it's a way bigger commitment in terms of yeah, time and Mm. everything so mm. it's just kind of what I want if if yeah. the other company if Kamana could offer that mm. April till October employment where mm. I'm getting maximum hours doing yeah. I'm sure I'd be involved I love Nick I love the company I love what he's built yeah. and the people that he employs are some of the again the nicest people I've met out on the fire line yeah um, but yeah it's just for me you know with this especially especially with like the limited time with the visa yeah it's like I only have a couple of years to mm. do it, so I might as well make it count and try and get the biggest breadth of experience that I can, kind of thing. Mm, that's why you want a long season with. Yeah, I'd like to. If if I turned around and did it again next season, and there wasn't any fires, and I maybe got one deployment, I'd be yeah. upset. I'd be like, yeah, because you know, I would have spent my summer doing something I don't want to do. Yeah, that's where you want to be. I know. Yeah, that's where it for fulfills now, you to be out there. It's the best plan I got right now. Yeah, maybe yeah. it'll change next year, but. We may as well pursue it while it's here That's and while it. you have the opportunity to maybe it'll allow me the, the strength to make a better plan mm. with each change you get closer and closer to what fulfills you most yep 100% so before the firefighting was snowboard instructing it was before the snowboard instructing <laughs> nothing nothing gym maybe I could, gym I could probably say gym yeah I didn't really gym have any a... fulfilling job at that point 
I was just making ends meet with uh, bartending work. Just trying to create some sort of income. Yeah. I was had there a job that about, I enjoyed. Was there anything about bartending that drew you to it? Probably the service role. Yeah. Like, I'm a pretty social person. Yeah. It keeps, uh, it keeps, like, growing, doesn't it? Like, the, like, going from, like, I want to provide some sort of service bartending role. Bigger and bigger services. And then going to snowboard instructing. It's like, well, I want to provide a service that, you know, uh, maybe produces, like, more of a net positive. Sure. Uh, depending on how you look at bartending. Bartending is definitely a net negative. Right, you're you feeding people. destroying uh, alcohol. You're enabling people. You're enabling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it can, you could argue that for a long time. And then snowboarding is a different permutation of that. It's it's service still. Yep. But it's way more easily a net positive. People are having fun. Sure. They're getting active. Most of the time. And then, yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. And then, uh, and then another jump is to the firefighting bigger picture bigger picture stuff yeah 100% I'm not sure I think the bartending stuff was like um, there's also like a large amount of skill involved yeah in service especially as like it was a cocktail bar I worked at so like mixology and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. I had a lot of good mentors pretty like experienced bartenders that I learned from yeah and um, becoming an experienced bartender is a great feeling knowing mm. like how to make every drink on the menu without yeah. having to look at ingredients being like mixology someone can come to the bar and you can be like what do you like what yeah. do you want you want a drink what do you want vodka rum tequila blah 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 blah. you want mm. it sweet sour whatever the hell you mm. can fix them up a drink that they enjoy and they they pay you and it's different in that like the uk bars they don't work for tips mm. tips are generously accepted but they're not required like they yeah. are over in north america or america yeah um so it's more about the love of the job and yeah. like putting passion into like crafting something almost mm. Mm. and um i think some of the most fulfilling work was like regular customers that would come to have like cocktails made yeah bring someone they come to the bar two yeah, of those yeah. you know those drinks you made me last week and i get two more of them yeah like, yeah sure dude it's awesome he liked that yeah. i made a positive imprint on him <laughs> yeah it's like yeah. you can argue that is it positive alcohol i don't know but is alcohol positive on the body system mm. you know whatever but did that guy have a positive experience because for sure the flavors were incredible for sure and maybe he got a nice feeling from the alcohol too and he had a good night with his friends that's it whatever. that's it yeah i don't know i think yeah there were, i definitely enjoyed bartending Mm. I probably still would enjoy it, but like uh, the the negative side effects of it are like unsociable hours, yeah. late nights. Yeah, you're obviously involved with alcohol a lot. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be, you know, working a long Friday night shift, serving people who are getting merry on a Friday night, yeah. and not have a drink after work or two yeah. or three. It's like especially if everyone else you work with is also of the same mindset. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it does feed into a lot of destructive mm. habits, I would say. Mm which is like it's very noticeable if you see like career bartenders yeah a lot yeah. of the times people that work like the late night bars yeah that's some tough that's some tough shit that's tough like yeah. they go to three four in the morning and then they'll yeah. go out drinking all night and they'll wake up at whatever time to go back to the bar at whatever time they open and they run it up oh yeah they do they run it all day long yeah and i i think that was a big turning point in my career where i realized like the career as a bartender i say with inverted mm -hmm. commas like it's not sustainable for me because I don't like it's especially as I integrated it more with gym I was like still mm. working as a bartender but also going to the gym and you can't yeah. be like having super late nights and drinking yeah, that's a bunch a big, that's a rest and yeah alcohol and late yeah. nights don't go with hypertrophy and gym yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah trying yeah. to be disciplined right it's like yeah. they're near opposites 
Um, Were you interested in finding discipline and uh, bettering yourself through the gym when you first started bartending? Was that something you found no. along the way? No, I was I bartended for like a couple of years before I started the gym. Yeah. And then when I started the gym, I stopped drinking. <laughs> for the gym. Yeah. The gym took priority. Yeah. And then I was like, um, didn't enjoy the job as much. Oh, yeah. I enjoyed it still, but it was like, I'd work a long day. I tried to get more morning shifts mm. than I got in the evening. I was like, I'll happily work the early. Because a lot of people didn't like working early mornings. Mm. Hence, because of the drinking and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd try and get as many opening shifts as possible. Gotcha, And then gotcha. work all day. And then I'd leave at like 10 p.m., mm. go to the gym and go home. Man. Yeah, it was a funny moment. I remember the a funny moment where like I'd left, a, I'd done a split shift. So I'd worked from 10 to whatever. I'd worked basically all day, 10 to 10 with yeah. a break. It opens at 10. Yeah, 10 a.m. You've got to be there for 10 to set the bar up for like 11 when they open. Okay, yeah. The bar serves coffees, yeah. lunch, snacks, bar, drinks all gotcha, day, and then it gotcha. turns into like more of an active dinner place at night. Um, and I like went in the cellar and got changed. I put my shorts on. Mm. And I was wearing like a hoodie, gym shorts, and some shoes with a backpack on. And I was shaking. Yeah. I was taking pre-workout at like 9 o'clock, like half yeah. 9, 10. Yeah. Which was stupid in retrospect. But it was a leg day on a Sunday. Yeah. And I remember the host desk was next to the door. So I walked out and my manager's like, that's a bit brave. Shorts in this weather. It was cold yeah. out. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to the gym. It's leg day. Yeah. He looked at me and laughed. <laughs> and I was just like stone faced. Yeah. Like seriously, I got to go to the gym. It's fucking yeah. leg day. Yeah, yeah. He was like, you're joking. Huh. It's like, no. They didn't see that a lot. No. Yeah. They did, he didn't see the commitment. Mm. And at mm. that point it was like, get it now. It was like, I'm... I know, I feel like I know what you mean. It's like, you're kind of like, if you're working as a bartender, but you're also trying to stay disciplined, not drink, you know, go to the gym when you say you're going to go to the gym and keep up with it. Mm. You are like kind of one foot in, one foot out of the culture. Yeah. Of the culture. Definitely. It's kind of, it's a hard uh, line to walk. And I don't think, I think I must've been sober for maybe a month plus and not a very long time before I like started drinking again lightly. Yeah. Obviously, I drink whenever my friends would go out drinking, but like. Yeah, yeah. Um, but seeing how it could. Just be, trying to limit it. Yeah, not having to uh, abolish it completely, but seeing like, okay, when can I fit, you know, cheeky drinks in every now and then? Yeah, not drinking after work was the big thing. It was like I'd have I'd make a protein shake and drink that after work, so I could still sit with people outside and, and have something to drink. Yeah, drinks. <laughs> yeah, drink a fucking. <laughs> glass of milk with some whey protein powder in it yeah but like it was still like the community was there and i wasn't ostracized because mm. i was well liked and you know, yeah. a respectable member of the bar team so it's like yeah um i was fortunate enough for that but yeah man it's a it's a hard wire to walk hard line to walk yeah absolutely i think uh you know being one foot in one foot out of most things is going to be kind of difficult mm. because you're splitting your attention you're splitting your dedication between two things that are a little bit uh, kind of like counters to one another almost. With the yin and yang kind of thing. Yeah, especially when it comes to like taking care of your physical physical body or like feeding it. Mm-hmm. You're trying to work on it. You're trying to give it, you know, good food. You're trying to give it quality sleep in order to achieve something. And then the other part of your life has this substance involved that makes it harder to do those things. <laughs> it makes it not do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a weird uh, conundrum to be in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, how do you feel being away from the bar scene now, and involved in something like firefighting? I don't mind it. 
I think you meet similar people in both of those roles. Every they're everywhere, man. It's everywhere. like uh, everyone likes drinking. Yeah. Everyone likes just getting fucked up every now and again. And yeah, yeah. Um, but like, would uh, you know? This is a cliche question, but like, would Reese at the bartending place? The bar is the place. <laughs> would yep. You know, if he received a note like that Harry Potter note that was like, you will be a forest firefighter in BC <laughs> in the next few years. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know. I'm not Why? really sure what the like the dynamic shift was where I went from. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure if I wouldn't believe it. Mm. I'd be like, that's that's possible for sure. You'd be surprised. I'd be surprised, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's impossible. Yeah. I always had the idea of leaving. Like I tried to leave in 2021 mm -hmm. to go to Japan mm. during, you know, I mean, I tried to leave for Canada in 2020. Yeah. For uh, snowboarding. Yeah, yeah. Didn't work. COVID. Yeah. Got sent home. Tried again to leave to go to Japan. Didn't work. Yeah. Borders were shut. And then only because of that, the next year that I'm here, my goal was never to stay at that place long term. Mm. I'd worked there for you know, like three or four years, maybe. Is that right? 2019? Three years, sure. Yeah. Um, and my goal was always to do something more. Snowboarding was the mm. like the preliminary plan. But that's more than this. That's more than what I've got going on currently, yeah. right? So it's kind of a leap in logic. Well, not a leap in logic, but it's a logical step. Yeah. Where it's like... Yeah adventure do the snowboarding stuff and if something happens yeah i'm gonna take it which is what i did right it's kind of crazy it's kind of like not that crazy for yeah it would be crazy if i was receiving the note back home right, back right, in my right, mentality right. back then but yeah it's not that it's not that hard to look at the steps i've made to get here at this point mm, in mm. like the in the in the present it's like yeah. yeah but it's so cool looking forward and being like i can't even come close to imagining what might it be like in mm. four years from now it's impossible to think eh? it's crazy so many things can happen you could be in the navy i could be an could be in the american navy i could be the president you could be the president <laughs> of kalamazoo of jujitsu of jujitsu <laughs> <laughs> i don't think that's true in four years no president four lifetimes in four years four lifetimes you don't always have to know about the thing to be the president of it no the president of birds canada didn't really know much about birds when i was working with them how can that be fucking possible he's just good at talking you were working with the you know, president of birds canada i met the president of birds canada the bird president every canadian bird bows down vetted by him oh vetted to, yeah to ensure that they are in fact a canadian bird oh he's like the immigration officer bird immigration yeah yeah border that, patrol that's sweet border patrol president the president of birds canada didn't know a lot about birds not really that no. blows my mind you really ask what kind of bird is that he, he wouldn't know no nope. wow you'd he expect can't. him to know every bird it was more about his um it's like politics yeah that his sucks. like ability to speak to the public and his ability <laughs> to like convey a message and like capture your attention like the real president and all he, yeah and then all he has to do is like learn about you know bird information and, wow. then, and then share the bird information. But though, but I can't say that he didn't attempt that because, um, you know, he came to the station and was like, he's like, I'm here now. I'm the president. I need to learn. Oh, so okay. he's like, I'm getting in the mix. He got the job like first and then decided to learn about the birds. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's a bit more forgivable, I guess. The fact that he was making like an effort to learn about the birds and the operations. Yeah. He's not just a puppet. 
yeah he's somewhat involved yeah yeah exactly but exactly. yeah president of jiu-jitsu would be uh it's, it's not a goal but it, if it happens it happens that'd be you'd take it <laughs> maybe yeah but depends what the job entails i wouldn't want to be an unqualified president this is a problem. I don't think I can be qualified in four years. In four years? No. You might be able to be the president of jiu-jitsu in a small town. Like the White Belt Society or something? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I can believe that. I'd take that role. That's less like, um, it's less power hungry. Yeah. You could probably go to Antarctica right now and be the president of jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I guarantee there's someone there. You think so? There's probably someone there. That it doesn't take a lot. You got more than two months of training. You, yeah. you you can keep the president. I'll be the vice president. I sure. bet the penguins would even give you a hard time. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know how to how to headlock a penguin. They're they're a complete black belt. Do they have do they have necks it's all over their body. They have necks or arms. How are you gonna? They have necks. They have necks. Retractable necks. This is what I mean. I think so. How are you gonna rear someone that's retracting their neck? Yeah, that's crazy. They don't have arms. No. Well, they have arms, but no, they don't have arms. They have like They've flippers. Flat. Yeah. Anyway. This is a, another four-hour conversation to be had right here about... Kind of feels like... Uh, penguin Jitsu. Yeah, we're getting into Penguin Jiu-Jitsu. What do you think? I think a lot about it. think about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you stare longingly over at your gi. See the blood marks on Thinking it. Think about how many ways you could submit a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> Not many ways. That we know of yet. Yet, yeah. But the president of jiu-jitsu would find out. They would. The Antarctican president They'd of jiu-jitsu. most knowledgeable. Probably know about all the different possible holds. Penguin jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Well, Reese, I think our time here has come to an end. <laughs> um, Closed it out with penguin jiu-jitsu. Penguin jiu-jitsu, yeah. I knew that I wouldn't know where this would go. And I didn't expect this. No, neither did I. But I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoy picking your brain. I thoroughly enjoy hearing you recount tales of your past to fill in this picture and perception I have of you in my mind and mm. and some bring some more accuracy and context to it. I like it. I so, thoroughly enjoyed my time. I don't know how long it's been. It feels like you've been sat here. I try not to check. It's not checked. And just hope that it's still recording. Oh. <laughs> I haven't looked. You haven't looked? Nope. <laughs> We're good. We're good? Yeah. All right, that's fine. Breathe the sigh. I wouldn't have minded if it wasn't. It was a great conversation regardless whether it was recorded or not. Absolutely, and, that's, and um, that's the point of it, right? You should let it be known that these are just... You have these conversations often. So Absolutely. Would you like to say anything with reverb? Yeah, put it on. All right, hold up. Can you put on, like, the Price is Right theme in the background? Oh. I don't have access to that right away. Actually, yeah, I do. Hold on, hold on. All right. Do you want to say your piece over this uh, Price is Right? Yeah, music? can you increase the reverb real quick? I can, yeah, I can do, uh, let's see. This is perfect. Large so hall. Like, uh, I'm on the, uh, I'm like, who's the, who's the guy that does the Price is Right? It's not Steve Harvey, is it? There's a family view. I don't know if it's Steve Harvey. Okay, well, Alex Trebek, no. Thank you for the time on this podcast. Thank you to the audience and everyone listening right now. I hope this isn't too jarring. It sounds fucking terrible in my ears. <laughs> but um, I'm glad we're doing this. And that's all for me. Over and out. Thank you for being here, Reese. Till next time. Appreciate Peace. it. We're going to get copyright strike by the fucking Price is Right theme. <laughs>